This morning, um, a message that should look a little bit familiar. It's kind of been a fun one for me. I like to give the backstory sometimes of my um, my messages, just kind of how they develop. Uh, two weeks ago, I preached a message on discernment. It was kind of this idea of knowing what is true, knowing God's will for us. Uh, last week, Greg preached on Roy. I couldn't find one. I wanted to find a, a picture of Roy in a sombrero because uh, Greg preached on El Roy, who is the name of God, which means the God who sees us. But I couldn't find I thought I'd seen one on Facebook sometime, Donna, but I couldn't find it. That's all I could think of last week when Greg was preaching was El Roy. I just saw Roy with a sombrero, uh, but that wasn't what the message was about at all. Uh, it was about the God who sees us. And just my week, it was there were these things that all came together that kind of, you know how God just continues to speak to you? Um, so Greg had preached his message, and I'm taking a, a hermeneutics course, and basically all that is is the art of interpreting Scripture and there was a passage in Scripture that I was asked to read or that, we were, that was referenced. It wasn't even a major part of the lecture that I read later, and I'll get to that. Um, Tuesday, so we all had this storm, and we were all kind of confined to our homes. Well, six people in a home with limited food kind of gets desperate after a while. So Tuesday was the day where I was going to make the uh, infamous trip to Walmart. Uh, and Elliot wanted to go with me, which is wonderful. So Elliot and I tracked over to Walmart in Tam's list, you know, we only had like a post-it note, but she made sure to fit everything we needed on a post-it note. So I had like a magnifying glass and uh, a pen to make sure I got everything checked off. And I had my cell phone out because I just wanted to make sure I was marking everything off as I went through the store because I'm the guy that always forgets something. I don't know about you. There's always something on my wife's list that I miss. Thank you, Joe, for identifying with me in this. Um, but I was going to make sure that didn't happen. So I had my phone out, and I'm checking lists off, and I get to the, the tea aisle, and my wife wants some, some tea, uh, decaf. I believe it was decaf tea. And when I went to the tea aisle, all they had were family-sized bags for tea. And I'm like, what's a family-sized bag? Is that what she wants? Is that not what she wants? So I used my phone. I called my wife, and I'm like, all I see are family-sized. She says, that's not what I want. So I looked harder, and I found the right-sized tea bags. You know, put my phone, and... We finished the shopping list, and in the meantime, my daughter texts me, Dad, can you get me some lotion? I would love to, Avery. I'll make sure to do that. Now, what i got to share about lotion in our home is that's, a, that's a, uh, a different animal. Because, see, we're not a smell home. Like, we're pretty sensitive to smells in our home. We don't like the, excuse me, old lady smells that sometimes perfumes and lotions can bring like Avery's room we got like saran wrap around it so the smells don't come out of there and her last thing of lotion disappeared because it smelled too bad you know what I'm saying like that's honest so now I've got Elliot we've done all the grocery shopping and we're in the lotion aisle and I've got to proceed to open up or at least smell all these lotions I want to tell you at some point everything smells the same I'm not exactly sure what my mental state was after all the fumes. So me and Elliot, we managed to get everything that was needed done. We checked out, which is a process sometimes at Walmart. You feel like you're rushed, but you're not rushed. And got everything done. We're getting ready to walk out of the store. And I'm going to call Tam and tell her that I'm done. We just got to run to Safeway and get some phyllo dough. And I did my, I have a tap that I do. It's my check. And my phone was missing. 
I got a cart that's overflowing with groceries for a family of six that was starving because we had nothing left to eat. And I don't know where my phone is. And I'll tell you what, Walmart is a big store. And we've been over that whole store because we had to buy everything. So I find an employee. I say, I'm going to leave my card here. And me and Elliot begin to retrace our steps. Now, of course, we had to have a bathroom stop. So we went to the bathroom first and proceeded to go all through groceries. I remembered the phone call. So I thought maybe, just maybe, it's by the bags of tea. It wasn't there. And then I remembered, as, as me and Elliot were walking at a pretty frantic pace at this point, because I've got a watch, and so I really look like a nut in Walmart, because my watch connects to my phone. So I thought if I just got close enough, suddenly she's going to answer a question here in a second, my, my watch would tell me it was connected to the phone, because then I can push a button that makes it make a noise. Well, it was never connecting. I thought somewhere in the midst of the groceries, my phone will have to connect. And it's not connecting. I remember a testimony from Sunday morning that Greg shared about Kathy losing a ring. Now I said, Lord, I don't have three weeks for this one. I think it was three weeks, wasn't it, Greg? Four. But you sure see things and you know where my phone is. And I was continuing to process that and I began to pray. And you know what came to my mind? The glorious smells of the lotion aisle. The one place I hadn't checked. The last place I needed to go. I got there and right next to the first jar of lotion that I opened before I was overwhelmed with all the smells and everything else was my cell phone waiting for me. And I praise the Lord for Elroy, not Spanish Roy, but the God who sees me. So the psalm that our class, that, that, that our professor Uh, talked about was Psalm 1. I want to read Psalm 1 this morning, uh, and we're going to spend time in this psalm because I believe it's a message that God wants to speak to our hearts. Psalm 1 starts with, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. I read verse 6, and I remembered the message that, that, that Greg had preached the week before. The Lord does what? He watches over the way of the righteous. I started thinking about what this psalm was communicating. If I can just describe this song, this psalm in Pastor Steve's words. It's a psalm about life. It's a psalm about us where we are. And he talks about the wickedness that is everywhere. That every one of us has a choice to make in the midst of this wickedness. And we're all choosing which path to go. Isn't that really what discernment is? Knowing the will of God and following it. I thought, man, this is really applicable to what we've been looking at. Psalm 34 says, 
The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hands. In the King James Version, the one that I memorized, the steps of the righteous or the good are ordered of the Lord. There's a path that God has that he intends for us to walk on. There's a path that we're all trying to discover in this world. We're all trying to discern what way we're supposed to go. And I believe this particular psalm gives us a good picture of what we should be expecting and how we should be walking in the path that God has for us. The author of this basically says there's a path, there's a blessed path, and there's a wicked path. And really, every one of us, we have a choice to make. This is going to seem basic, but I think it's profound if we listen to what the Spirit of God says to us. There's a path that leads to blessedness, and there's a path that leads to wickedness. And we have a choice in which way we're walking. You have a choice in which steps you're taking. God has outlined for us the steps in which we can take. One is a path of blessedness. The other is a path of wickedness. So Psalm 1, verses 1 through 2, I want to talk about the path of the wicked and the path of the blessed. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stands in the way that sinners take or sits in the company of mockers, but whose, here's our steps for the blessed path, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. And we might look at this, and I think there's two words in this that are a bad word to us, and that's the law. It's hard for us to process what it means to delight in the law. Most of us look back at the Old Testament, and we see the law as something that is restrictive, as something that is overbearing. It's legalistic. It's challenging what God is expecting from his people. But we're looking at that from a New Testament perspective where it's been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And he set, us, he set us free from the jot and tittles of the law because he's fulfilled the law that God presented. But what we don't think about is the reality that when God wrote the law to his people, it was their means for salvation. The written law was, was the words of the covenant to God's people. So the way we review covenant through Jesus Christ is truly the perspective that, that the Old Testament that the Jews would have had towards the law. It was their means for salvation. It was their way for forgiveness. So to hear something like delight, what does delight mean? I see some whispers, but I don't hear anything. Enjoyment? Happiness? Finding, finding pleasure in, right? I mean, there's things in life that, that we delight in. Uh, candid. This is me, candid. Uh, I, I've been in conversations before that I wasn't delighted in. And my wife is, is quick to tell me that I don't hide that from my face. And I'm not talking about my conversations with her because I delight in my wife. But with others, you know what I mean? Like you can tell from someone their countenance, the way they are, whether they're finding pleasure in, they're taking pleasure in what they're experiencing, or they're doing it because they have to, or they're doing it because there's no way out. And the word here is, is this path to blessedness is that people take delight. They find pleasure. They find enjoyment 
in the Word of God. Now, this is me being too much of a pastor, so let me just be a pastor for a second. Um, talking to my brother-in-law, they're canceling church this morning uh, because of the weather. It's funny to me how we have an expectation to cancel church for weather, but like Kansas City, I heard people were leaving the stadium in ambulances because they had severe frostbite after the football game on Sunday. I have no issues with people who don't come to church when there's bad weather. Please don't, don't hear this as guilt or anything else. But I'm just saying how normative it is for us because people truly delight. They take pleasure in. I saw in Buffalo, guys were in the stands. They tried to get people to shovel the stands. They couldn't pay them enough money. So people, I literally saw some Pittsburgh fans in Buffalo. They must have known where they were sitting. And they're walking through feet of snow to get to seats that are covered in snow still to watch a football game on a Sunday afternoon. Man, they delight in football. There's nothing wrong with that. Watch Walt's face when he tells you a fishing story. The path to blessedness is delight in the law. Where your face, your heart, your countenance, it demonstrates the joy that that moment in his word brings. You know when you're watching a TV series and you can't wait for the next one to come out before all the video stuff where it's coming out and you just can't wait to see what happens on Survivor or whatever one you're watching? Like there's a joy that comes. Curse of Oak Island. Sometime they're going to find the treasure and I'm going to keep watching until they do. When did I have that kind of anticipation from my time in his word? When did I have that kind of expectation for the word of God to speak to me? To reveal to me the truths of a God who was, who is, and always will be. The truth that a God absolutely loves me. The one who spoke it all into existence. The reality that by looking at this book, I can discover more and more of Him. I can learn more and more about Him. And by learning more and more about Him, I can learn more and more about my identity in Him. I can learn more and more about what He's promised and what His plans are for me. What if we had that kind of delight in His law? The psalmist is saying there's two paths. And the key to the path of blessedness is delight and meditation on the law of God. I want to talk about meditation just a little bit because in our context, in our day, meditation has become something that it's not. Many will say meditation is completely emptying your mind of everything. But biblical meditation has nothing to do with emptying your mind, but filling your mind with the Word of God. You hear what I'm saying? At times the world will tell us meditation is this emptying of ourselves, this emptying of everything. No, the meditation on the Word of God is a filling up. 
It's an expectation of what is to come. In my class, she did talk about that verse on meditation. She said the, the Hebrew word kind of was the idea of an animal that, that is a predator searching for prey. The way it's in attentively looking at that. It's meditating on its every move, waiting for the moment that it can take what it needs. It's focused on it. It's following it. It's addressing it. Meditation in the Word of God isn't just reading it, but it's chewing on it. It's wrestling it. I will tell you, the Word of God is a completely complex book. There are times you will read things that don't make sense. There are times you will read things and you'll be confused. That's okay. Because we continue to wrestle. We continue to chew. We continue to think about it. I use this story about Greg's message. Greg preached a sermon on Sunday morning. Meditation doesn't just happen with the book open. Meditation happens a lot of times when the book is closed and I'm putting on the lens of the word as I'm living my life. It's continuing to think about. It's continuing to discover. It's continuing to listen as I'm away from maybe the book that God is still speaking. He's revealing his truths to me so that when I'm in Walmart and I can't find my phone, I can think about calling out to the God who sees so he can reveal himself to me. That when I'm in a class, I can, I, can, I can hear the word of God that's continuing to echo. He's a God who wants to sermon, who has a path for us that we can find. That's how we hear his voice. That's how we discover his truths. It's not simply looking at it for a moment, closing it up and checking the box. It's allowing that to become a lens or a a, a thought process or a pattern in which I continue to evaluate, I continue to think about. Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord who meditates on his word day and night. Now we're going to look at the wicked way. And it's funny because this one is talking about a blessed both times in verse uh, 1 and 2. But really this whole psalm is, is kind of picturing two realities, two opposites is what this psalm is doing. We'll look at the, the word picture in just a second. One is blessed, the other is wicked. Um, and, and there's a word in the King James, he says, not so several times. We're showing the counterpoints. So blessed is the one who what? who does not walk in, so we would say the wicked do what? They walk in step with the wicked, they stand in the way that sinners take, or they sit in the company of mockers. But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day and night. So the wicked, they walk in step. I get this picture uh, for me of, of, of a, we, we, we all drive, so we probably drive, but anyway, uh, when, we, when we're walking in path, yeah, we, we, we'll talk about football again because that's a good analogy. Have you ever walked to a stadium and everyone's walking the same direction? And then there's the one guy that just got off work and he's walking the other direction? Do you know what I'm saying? Like there, this is the picture that comes in past it. This is my brain, sorry. Just live with me for a second or more. When I read this, that's what I picture is this busy pathway with a bunch of people walking. And he's basically saying there's some that you're walking in step. You're going the same direction. You're following the same path that the wicked have. But see, the psalmist is doing something interesting. Because you start by walking. And then what do you do? You stand. Right? 
So instead of just walking with them, you know, sometimes in life we just happen to be walking, we're walking along with someone now. We might be getting strayed from the path that we're supposed to be going on, but we're just walking together. And then all of a sudden we stop. Have you ever seen that happen where you're walking along and then you stop? And we hear, we can read this stand in the way. You're not saying like opposed to the wicked, like, hey, stop. We're talking about you're standing in the way with the wicked. So suddenly you're going from moving to stopping. And then what does he say you do? Then you sit in the company of mockers. Do you see what the psalmist is saying? Like there's a path. And suddenly you were walking, you were doing what you thought God wanted you to do, but you started walking in step with the wicked, and then suddenly you became comfortable and you stood there. And then after you stood there for so long, your legs got tired, you said, hey, why don't we just sit here? And you're sitting apart from the will of God. You're sitting in a place that God never desired you to be. That's the walk in life that happens with so many people. I don't know how I got to where I'm at. But man, I've been sitting here for a long time. I I read a commentary. I love this quote. I've I've used it three times with my wife already. She's tired of hearing it. It said, Live fish swim against the stream, and dead ones go with it. You hear that? You see this path we're on? At times we're going to feel like that guy that's leaving work and going to a football game where we're running into people who are all going the other way. And we'll be tempted to turn around. We might even see someone we know and want to walk with them, but we're never going to get to where we need to be because we start walking and then we stop and we stand and then we sit and we stay. That's how wickedness comes. It's not that we set out to do evil. It's not that we set out to be apart from the will of God, but it just arrives in our life. There's a path to blessedness. The psalmist says, hey, my words might not have been enough, so how about I use a few pictures? So what does he say? He uses a picture for both of these. The person, that's the person who's on the path to righteousness, is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. So what two pictures does the psalmist use for the blessed and the wicked? The blessed are like what? A tree. Now, uh, again for us, now I'm from Kentucky, so trees aren't that great of an analogy because they're everywhere. And the grass is green, and I mean green, Joellen. My side done on that. When we came and visited the church, it was in August. And Joellen was driving us around, and she kept saying, I can't believe how green it is this year. And my wife and I were reflecting on the conversation, and we said, that woman must be colorblind because this is brown. (laughs) There might be a couple green things out there, but it's brown. But when the psalmist is speaking to this, in this picture that he gives... A tree, that is the person planted by what? Streams of water. Think of their culture. Think of their agriculture. Think of where this is. They're writing this in a dry and and arid land. 
That that tree that's planted by streams of water is life in the midst of a place where there is no life, where it is all brown. But it has life. Why? Because where it stopped, where its roots are, roots are, whichever way you want me to say that, is where? By the stream. What is the stream of living water? It's the Word of God. Right? I mean, if that's what the psalmist is saying, delight and meditate on my word. He's saying, I want you to get this picture in your mind. There is a tree that is planted by streams. Well, I just see him in my chosen moment, Greg, pointing at that tree across the hill, saying, look at that tree right over there. See how it is life. See how it will do what? It will produce fruit. We'll talk about that. And then there was the wicked one, the chaff. And again, I promise you, a Kentucky boy had no idea what that was. What's chaff? Does anyone? You probably can't even see my picture. Here's a good picture. It was the product of the harvest. But it was a byproduct that wasn't good. And so they would thresh the grain. And then what, what I've read is they would go up on, onto mountains or they'd go up to a high point at evening time because that's typically when the wind would blow. And they'd have the winnowing fork. That's this fork with all the things. And they'd take the grain and they'd throw it up in the air and the wind would do what? It would blow the chaff, that's all the stuff that doesn't mean anything, the worthless stuff of the harvest. It would blow it away out of, out of recognition into oblivion, basically. And what was left was what was valuable. So the psalmist is saying there is, there's, this, there's this chaff that can come. That's what the wicked are. What's the difference between chaff and a tree? One is value. One is worth, the other is worthless, and is gone. In the psalm, he basically says a tree is planted, a tree is fruitful, a tree that is effective, and a tree that is watched over. That's the promises of, of, of the tree. The chaff was what? It was blown away. It was fruitless. It's the worthless part. It was destroyed. It was gone from everything and ignored. It was completely into oblivion. We have a choice in which path we're walking on. We have a choice in which path we're taking. That choice is a path of blessedness and that choice is a path of righteousness. And what I know from what the psalmist is telling me that if I want to walk in a blessed path, I better delight and meditate on the word of God. Esther, that just seems too basic. Sometimes it's not too complicated. I love this when we're talking about the Word of God, and, and this is kind of where I see the fulfillment because you know the story of, of, of Scripture. I talked about how the law was representative of God's covenant. It's kind of that representative nature of His covenant to His people. Jesus Christ is that representative nature of the covenant. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says the Word became flesh. So when, 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 when the psalmist is saying to delight in the law or the word of God, the covenant of God, I'm seeing in the New Testament, the word became flesh and did what? He made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. If I want to delight or meditate in the law, in the word, yes, it comes through the book, but it also comes through the relationship with Jesus Christ. 
It comes through our understanding of his love for us. It comes through our understanding of, of how he interacts with us. The word has made flesh. Jesus says what? We're looking for the path. I am the, I'm the path. Huh? I know it's basic, but come on, it's deep. I know we've heard it, but I know we need to hear it. I know we can say it, but maybe we need to believe it. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. There is no place for a blessed life apart from Jesus Christ. There is no way to blessedness apart from the promises that come through Jesus Christ. We can try and find it here, and we can try and find it there, but we're never going to find it unless we walk on the way that that God has set before us, and that is Jesus Christ. That's by meditating on Him and delighting in Him. That's by declaring His promises and knowing His truths. Which path are you on? You guys can come forward. I'm just about finished. I genuinely believe that for every one of us, the steps of the righteous. We've been made righteous by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. They're, they're ordered of the Lord. The steps of the good one, that's who we are in him, are ordered of the Lord. That God has a path that he wants us to know, that he wants us to walk on. I believe that God has given us a formula for that path, and I believe it's coming through delighting and meditating. Finding pleasure. Maybe, maybe, just man, you know, uh, we sing a song that says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. You know, when I think of delight, this is going to sound weird, Ty, someday you're going to fall in love with a girl. I know you say, you know, you won't. But it's going to happen. And, and you, you'll like want to call her all the time. And when she, she calls you, your face, your face will blush. And mom will know who's calling just when you look at the phone because she'll know that's who it is. Ty's going to be mad at me. But then you get married, and then the phone rings, and your face doesn't show the same thing. Mike, don't laugh. You know, sometimes we just need to rediscover the simplicity of the gospel. The simplicity of the word that God loves us. That he's the author and finisher. That he's always been in control. That he sent his son, Jesus Christ, because we've all got a problem, and that's sin. And that sin in all of our lives was leading us to an eternal place of separation from him. That sin was leading us to a place of, of, of hell. But God recognized that. And while we were still sinners, he said, I'm going to give the very best to those people. I'm going to do the best that I can to show them my love. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for each and every one of us. Sometimes I need to relive that. Sometimes I need to remember that. Sometimes I need to meditate on that. Sometimes I need to marinate in that. Sometimes I need to find delight in that. You know, someone might be walking or standing, or sitting. 
The beauty is the simplicity of the word repentance. We, we see all these ways of talking about repentance and, and, and pretty much repentance is turning around and going the other way. Maybe you just need to stand up and walk the other way. Walk against the crowd. Walk against the wickedness. Walk towards God. Walk towards what he has for you. It's just that simple. Confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead and moving in step with where he has called you to be. In just a moment, I'm going to ask them to sing a song. I don't know what they're singing. That's the way we do this. But for you, here's what I challenge you with. Can you meditate on and delight in the word of God that was made flesh and made his dwelling among us? Can you meditate on and delight in, find pleasure and find joy and find enjoyment in The God who is, who was, and always will be. The God who assures you that when you're gathered in his name, that he is here. The God who will bring his presence and inhabit the praises of his people. The God that wants to spend time with you. The God that has already spoken to you this morning through through a word and through a pastor and through a song. The God that desires for you to have relationship with him. Maybe, just maybe, you need to meditate, chew on, think about, wrestle with all that he has. Father, in this place, I believe that we all want to be a blessed, a blessed people. If given a choice, we would choose to be a tree, not chaff. We would choose to be planted, not blown away. We would choose to be effective, not worthless. Washed over and not destroyed. And God, the psalmist, he explained to us that the way, the path, the journey towards that kind of blessedness comes through delighting in and meditating on your word. Help us. Help us as we think about the good news. As we chew on covenant, as we delight on our Messiah, our Savior, to move that you've called us. Let us be a blessed people. Let us fall in love with your word, the written word, the word made flesh, the word that the Spirit of God speaks to us. To discern know the truth of who you are and what you mean throughout the entirety of your word, the entirety of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, as they're singing this song, I will open the altar up. I know Walt prayed 
for us all this morning. But if you have a situation in your life you want pastor to agree with, as your pastor, I'll stand in here in agreement with you. If not, just spend some time meditating and delighting, rediscovering, remembering all that he is in the joy of his coming. There's a path to blessedness. There's a path to wickedness. It's your choice which path you're taking. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, may he turn his face towards you, grant you his peace. And may you walk the path of blessedness, meditating and delighting in Jesus Christ. Amen? Be blessed.